If you have your Bibles with you, would you take them please and turn to the Gospel of Matthew. Today we are in chapter 7 of the Gospel of Matthew in verse 12, one verse only. But that verse will serve as a foundation for our message which is entitled very simply, The Golden Rule. A verse of scripture that you've probably heard all your life if you've been going to church or even if you haven't, you've heard of The Golden Rule. And we're going to be looking at that today, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12. I'm reading out of the New American Standard translation of the Bible. And if you were not able to bring your copy of God's Word with you today, you should find one in the hymn rack in front of you. So please feel free to use that. Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. We refer to this verse of scripture as the golden rule. And the fact that we use the word golden suggests, of course, its value, its importance, its wealth and its worth. It's very precious. And as you know, the golden rule is found in the greatest sermon that was ever preached by the greatest preacher who ever lived, recorded in the greatest book that has ever been written. And we're looking today at this greatest rule of all because it summarizes all of the laws and the prophets. And therefore, in every way, whatever way you want to be treated, you are to treat other people. This great truth has been appreciated by all sorts of people throughout the ages. Yet it has been greatly misunderstood, misapplied, and misused. Jesus spoke of doing to others and treating them in the same way that you would have them to treat you. And in doing so, he gave a positive twist to a rule that had been known through the centuries in other cultures. There are four major ideas that I want to share with you today that are printed out for you on your bulletin that will help you to keep up with the message. And so let's look at that first idea, and that is the heart of the golden rule. What is the heart, the core of the golden rule? And I see it in the expression where Jesus said, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. Now, to my right and to your left is our beautiful piano. We're so grateful to the Lord and to you who contributed financially in order to help us to have the piano. But the piano had a forefather, if you might say, a forerunner. It was called the harpsichord. And uh, the harpsichord, uh, I'm no expert in this by any means, uh, was played by uh, an individual when, when he struck a key or she struck a key, the cord or the wire of the harpsichord was plucked with a hook and it made a distinct sound, hopefully something similar to a harp, thus the harpsichord. Back in the early 1900, uh, or the first quarter of the 19th century, excuse me, an unknown man came up with a different approach to playing the harpsichord. Instead of taking a hook and letting it pluck the string, he used what's called a hammer so that when the key was struck, the hammer would strike the cord or the string or the wire and a revolutionary uh, event took place. Uh, the piano was invented and discovered 
And when the harpsichord, if you please, was turned into the piano, a whole new world of music and composition was born. And we hear in beautiful music today as people like Richard and others who play the piano strike the chord rather than plucking it. It was a revolutionary thing that happened in the music world. One might say the same thing is true of the golden rule. The golden rule is found in many other cultures and writings than just the Bible. But if you look at those um, other golden rules or the attempt to give the golden rule, uh, you will discover that they are all negative. Uh, there was a Jewish rabbi by the name of Hillel and his version of it was, what is harmful to yourself, do not do to someone else. And then in the book of Tobit, which is part of the Apocrypha, the books that you find sometimes in between the Old and the New Testaments, one of the Jewish writers says, what you, do not want, uh, what you hate to no man do. So again, a negative way. Another individual says, Confucius, for example, said, what you do not want done to yourself, do not do to others. So all of these and other renditions of what we call the golden rule are all stated in the negative. If you don't want people to hurt you or to harm you, then don't harm or hurt them. Don't do this, don't do that. But Jesus takes it and puts a positive twist to it. And he was saying, treat other people, in other words, be active, proactive, do something, not just don't do something, but do something. So in your relationship with other people, treat other people in the same way that you want them to treat you. So we treat others not to be determined by what we expect them to do or to treat us by how we think they should treat us, but we want people to treat us as we would treat them. That's the golden rule. That is the essence of it. Treat other people the way you would want them to treat you. That is the heart of the golden rule. The second thing that you'll notice is what I'm calling the scope of the golden rule. And by scope, I mean the full range of everything that is involved in it. And I find this in the expression, in everything, treat people as you would have them to treat you. So the scope of the golden rule includes everything and everybody. Notice again, look at the verse. In everything, therefore, treat the people the same way. In everything and with everybody. So these two major ideas can define the scope of it. In everything. Now in the King James Version as well as in the uh, New American Standard that I'm reading from, from, it says, in everything therefore. Therefore. Now what is the significance of the word therefore? You may have been to church often enough to hear preachers say that anytime you come across a verse of scripture that has the word therefore in it, Therefore, you need to look at it and see what it is there for. It's kind of like a hinge on a door. It connects what preceded it with what is going to follow. In other words, Jesus is saying, take the entire Sermon on the Mount. Everything that I've said, the Beatitudes, about prayer, uh, about hatred for other people, 
Uh, all of these things are all summarized in the golden rule. So in everything, the New Living Translation says, whatever, whatever, whatever it is, uh, it's, a, it's an open window, it's an open door. There's, there's no limit to this. There's no end to this. In any and every situation or circumstance, practice what is called the golden rule. In everything, sums up the entire Sermon on the Mount. In fact, it goes beyond that and it summarizes the entire law and the prophets. That's what he concludes with. In every way and in everything, treat others as you would have them to treat you. For this summarizes the law and the prophets. You remember on, on one occasion where Jesus was asked, what was the greatest commandment? He said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And then he went the second mile and said, the second greatest commandment of all is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And then he said, on these two laws hang all the laws and the prophets. So if you would take all of the Ten Commandments, take all of the laws that you find in the Bible, take all of the things that the prophets have ever said and summarize it, it would be Matthew 7, 12, in everything and to everybody, treat one another as you would have them to treat you. So the words of the laws and the prophets include, think about the Ten Commandments for a moment. Think about, you know, the Ten Commandments, there are ten of them. The first four of the Ten Commandments have to do with your relationship with God. You shall have no other gods before you. should not make any image of any, you know, of what God like, looks like because nobody knows what God looks like. Any image or any picture that you have of God is imperfect because you don't know what God looks like. I don't know what he looks like. He is spirit. But you're not to make any image. You remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy and so forth. So those first four commandments have to do with our relationship with God. The last six have to do with our relationship with our fellow man. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, your neighbor's wife, or his maidservant, or his male servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. So those last six commandments have to do with your neighbor, your friends, the people that you are around. All of the Ten Commandments are summarized by Christ in this one verse of Scripture. So this is the scope of it. In everything, everything. Jesus, you remember in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17 said, Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I came instead to fulfill it. So Jesus doesn't do away with the law. He doesn't do away with what the prophets said. He came and fulfilled everything that the law and the prophets required. The Good News Bible says this. Do for others what you want them to do for you. This is the meaning of the law of Moses and of the teachings of the prophets. So this is in everything, in everything, and then to everybody, everybody. Treat people, men and others, the same way that you want them to treat you. Now, how do you apply this? Well, there's no situation, no circumstance that exists that this golden rule doesn't apply. Take your marriage, for example. Marriages can be maintained and grow and mature and be beautiful if the golden rule is practiced between the husband and the wife. 
Wives, treat your husbands in the way that you want them to treat you. Husbands, treat your wife in a way that you want them to treat you. You know, it's, it it's, it's involves in your marriage relationship as husbands and wives in the home. Parents, treat your children in the way that you would have your children to teach, treat you. And, and children, treat your parents in the way that you would have them to treat you, you see. And then you have it in the business world. Employers, treat your employees in the same way that you would have them to treat you. And employees, treat your employer in the way that you want them to treat you. And business people, if you are in business, what about the guy next door to you, across the street, across town? Treat the other fellow who is in a business in the same way that you would want them to treat you. School, teachers, treat your pupils the same way that you would want your pupils to teach you. Or treat you, I mean, <laughs> teach you. They teach you all right, don't they? <laughs> teachers and parents. Teachers, your children have parents. How do you treat the parents of your children? Teachers, treat your children's parents and parents treat your teacher the same way that you would want them to treat you. Administrators, superintendent, principals, other people involved in the administrative end of the school system, uh, the, the school board, treat the school board the same way that you'd want them to treat you. School board members, treat them the same way that you would want them to treat you. It works in every situation in our nations. Think about Israel and the Palestinians. Israel keeps saying over and over again, we just want to live in peace. We just want to live in peace. The problem is the Palestinians won't let us live in peace. But they want to treat the Palestinians the way that they would like for the Palestinians to treat them, vice versa. And, and it goes on and on and on. Live in peace. Neighbors in your neighborhood, the neighbor that lives next door to you, same street as you do around the corner from you, Living with your neighbors in the neighborhood, treat your neighbors in the same way that you would want them to treat you. In everything and to everybody, live the golden rule. One thing all of us want is for people to overlook our faults and to forgive us our failures. And when I think about this, I think about Abraham Lincoln. Many wonderful things have been said about Abraham Lincoln. But there's one appraisal that I think kind of rises above all the others, and that was when Abraham Lincoln was assassinated. He lived for a while. They took his body across the street to a boarding house where he eventually died. Uh, many of his uh, members of his administration and cabinet people were there in the room uh, as he was dying. Uh, after he drew his last breath and died, someone who was standing there said, now he belongs to the ages. Do you know who said that about Abraham Lincoln? It was Edwin Stanford. Stanton, excuse me. Edward, Edwin Stanton. Edwin Stanton was the Secretary of War for the Civil War. And it was Edwin Stanton who said of Abraham Lincoln on one occasion that Abraham Lincoln is the great ignoramus from Illinois, a baboon who doesn't have enough brains enough to be the president of the United States. And yet, when he was pressured to replace Edwin Stanton, Abraham Lincoln refused to do so. And his explanation was, there's been no greater secretary of war 
than Edwin Stanton. And because of his treatment of Edwin Stanton, it came time Stanton complimented him. He now belongs to the ages. A great compliment of him. And we are to treat people the same way that we want them to treat us. Charles Simeon once said, the principle of the golden rule is so short that it is easily remembered, so simple that it is easily understood, and so suited to all occasions that it is easily applied by any person at any time in any situation. It's simple, it's short, it's suited to anybody and everybody. That is the scope of the golden rule. Notice a third thing, and that is the power, what I'm calling the power of the golden rule. And you'll not find those words in verse 12, but you certainly find the spirit that's there. Because humanly speaking, it is impossible for any of us to keep all of the golden rule at all times with everybody in every situation. But there is one power that will enable you to do so, and that is the power of love to love God and to love your fellow man. So I want you to take your Bibles and turn to the book, book of Romans, the book of Romans chapter 13, verses eight through 10. And I'm gonna be reading this out of the New Living Translation, so it may read just a little differently than, than yours. But Romans chapter 13, beginning with verse eight, Romans 13 and verse eight. Writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, this is what the Apostle Paul said. Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. And so Paul was simply saying, hey, you're, you, you're in debt, okay, but there's one debt that you owe that you are to continually pay on. You'll never pay it all off. And that one debt that you owe is your love for your fellow man. Love your neighbor, he said. Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. And the reason why I like the New Living Translation is because it uses the word obligation. You're obligated to do so. You owe it. You do. And when you compare the kind of love that God demonstrated for you when Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary, it was lavished, it was rich, and it was, you didn't deserve it. You and I don't deserve God's love. We don't deserve God's grace and God's mercy. And yet God poured out his love for us upon the cross of Calvary. Greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friend. And God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So we had a debt that we could not pay. He paid a debt that he did not owe. And uh, we, we owe it to our Lord. We can never, 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 never repay God for the love that he demonstrated for us. But we can show how much we love the Lord by loving one another. After all, Jesus said that's the second greatest commandment. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And Paul is saying that is a debt that you are obligated to pay and yet you'll have to pay on it all the days of your life. You'll never finish paying off the debt that you owe the Lord for his demonstration of his love for you on the cross 
You'll be continually praying that, paying that off by loving your fellow man. So verse 8 goes on to say, Owe nothing, owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirement of God's love. Verse 9, For the commandment says, You must not commit adultery. You must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and all other such commandments are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Look at verse 10. Love does no wrong to others. So love fulfills the requirement of God's law. And those two little words, no wrong, in the New Living Translation, love does no wrong. In the New King James Version, it says it, it does no harm. The King James says it holds no ill will. The J.B. Phillips paraphrase says it does not hurt other people. And the New American Standard that I read from says it would do no wrong. So people can be hurt. Did you know that? You can be hurt. I can be hurt. We can hurt other people. How, how do we hurt other people? How do we do wrong to other people? By our words and by our actions. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me is a lie. Words do hurt, and they can cut deeply, and they can hurt and give wounds that last for a long, 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 long time. So be careful in what you say. Be careful in what you do. You have an obligation to love your fellow man, and in doing so, you will fulfill the law of love. It is a continual debt that you will always owe. Whoever loves or whenever love demands it, we are to go beyond the legal limits and do what is necessary. There are three things that I say in the, under this idea about uh, how we are to, to have the power of God's love. And uh, first of all, there's the reciprocity of love. Well, that's a big word. It just means, again, a boomerang that... Uh, do to others as you want it to come back on you. Paul put it this way in Galatians 6. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. You know, it'd be one thing for you to plant uh, corn and go out the next morning when the harvest time comes and find pumpkins all over the place. <laughs> That's an impossibility. You plant corn, you're going to get corn. You plant beans, you're going to get beans. You plant peas, you're going to get peas. You plant a pecan seed tree, you're going to get pecans. You're not going to get peaches. Whatever you plant is what you're going to sow. So if you, if you plant seeds of goodness and kindness and grace and mercy, if you treat other people in a kind and loving and gracious way, it's going to come back on you. You will reap whatever it is that you sow. Notice the second thing, the relationship of love in Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Don't be selfish. Oh my, how our society needs to learn that principle. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take interest in other people as well. So don't be selfish. Think about other people. Humble yourself before the Lord. Don't think that you're better than other people. You're not. And then the, the third reason, and that is the reason for love. 1 John 4, 11 through 13. Again, from the New Living Translation. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. 
No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. So you don't have to go around with a sign in your hand saying I'm a follower of Christ or I'm a disciple of the Lord or I love Jesus, but by your actions and by your words, how you treat other people says volumes about your relationship with God and whether or not God lives in you. How do people know that God lives in you? By the way you live, by the way you treat them with love and kindness and mercy and being gracious to them. So there's the heart of the golden rule. There's the scope of the golden rule. There's the power of the golden rule. And then finally, there is the reward of the golden rule. You know, there are many award shows uh, that are available to be seen every year. There's the Academy Award, the People's Choice Awards, the Golden Globe Awards, the Screen Actors Guild Awards, the Grammy Awards, the Country Music Awards, and the list is, is just endless. But there is an award event that's coming that this world knows nothing about. One that will put all other award shows to shame for its grandeur and the quality of the rewards that it gives. Those are the rewards given to the believers prior to their permanent entrance into heaven. And there are three things that I want to say, say about the rewards that you will receive. And the first one talks about the place. That is the place where you will be when you receive your, you will receive a reward. You will receive a reward for what you have done in your life. And in Matthew 5 and verse 12, go back to chapter 5 and verse 12. In chapter 5 and verse 12, this is what Jesus said. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven, in heaven. So the place where you will be when you receive your reward is in heaven. And heaven is where Jesus is. And so you will receive your, your reward there. All the rewards God gives us are not given here on the earth. You may get some rewards for them, but no. Ultimately, the rewards that you and I receive here on this earth will not last, not last. All those medals and all those jackets and all those certificates that you won in high school, you know, that, that football jacket that I have, boy, that thing is shrunk. <laughs> I put it on, you know, look like this all the time. All those medals I won in track, They've molded and turned green, blue. The paper's faded, yellow. Doesn't last. Doesn't last. Any award that you get, those Academy Awards, I read sometimes where somebody sold them, you know, or somebody stole them and find up in, in some kind of a shop where, you know, you can buy them for a nickel or a quarter or a dollar or whatever. They don't last. Don't last. But you'll receive a crown. You'll get it in heaven and it will last forever, last forever. You'll stand in the presence of the Lord. So then each one of us will receive an account of himself from God. Not only the place that is in heaven where you will get your reward, but notice the person who will give it to you. He says in Matthew chapter six, verse four and verse 18, Matthew 6, 4, and 18 says, Your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So you're going to get a reward. And if you've been faithful to the things the Lord has called you to do, 
he will present to you an adequate award or reward for all that you have done, for all that you've done. And it will last forever. And then the third thing is it, that, that is the proportion of it, it's going to be great. Your reward will be great. In Matthew 5, 12, he says, your reward in heaven is great, great. Now, the word that's translated great can also be translated as abundant or many or much or a large quantity. You see, God is not cheap and God is not stingy. And when he gives you an award or will reward you for what you have done, you can bank on it, my friend. It's going to be the highest quality that this world has never seen or experienced or acquired. And it's going to be great. It's going to be abundant. He came to give us abundant life. His grace is abundant. He showers it out upon us. We'll be like Malachi who said, Lord, stop. As the Lord opened the windows of heaven and poured out upon him uh, so many blessings that his, he just couldn't stand all of it. And he just wanted the Lord, you're just drowning me with your goodness. You're just drowning me with your kindness and your love. It has just flooded my soul. And that's the kind of rewards that God will give you. It will be abundant. There will be many. And, and you will rejoice. And what are we going to do with those rewards? Well, according to the book of Revelation, we're going to take them off and we're going to lay them at the feet of Jesus. And we'll say, all hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Oh, your reward will be great in heaven as you honor him and worship him. Now, let me say in conclusion, some people, when you speak to them of salvation, and you talk to them about, uh, have you ever been saved? They say, oh, I live by the golden rule. You ever heard people say that? When you hear a person say, I live by the golden rule, when you're talking about their salvation, they're basing their salvation on a false assumption. No person, listen to me, no person ever has nor ever will keep this rule perfectly. You won't. How many links in a chain have to be broken before that chain becomes useless? All of them? Half of them? No, only one link. One link in a chain will render the whole chain inadequate to do its job. How many commandments do you have to break in order to become a sinner? Ten of them? Eight of them? Twenty-five of them? No, no, just one. Just one. That's all it takes. You know what the Bible says? All of us have sinned. And all of us have broken a link in the change of God's law. There are none of us righteous, no, not one. We've all fallen short of the glory of the Lord. And there's no way I can attempt to try it with God's help and the power of his spirit and his love in my heart to love other people. But there are some people in this world I just have a hard time loving. You, of course, exclusive. I love you, I do. Some of you I like more than others, but uh, we won't explore that idea. You know, and if we were to live up to this golden rule, 
Just remember this. You are not saved by the way you treat other people. You are saved by the grace of Almighty God and the death of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. That's what saves you. And you don't keep the golden rule so you can go to heaven. You don't keep the golden rule so you can be saved. You keep the golden rule because you have been saved. You have repented of your sins. You have confessed to Jesus that you are a sinner and that you cannot save yourself. And you repent of those sins and you ask Jesus to come into your heart. That's what makes you a Christian. The purpose of the law, you know, he says in the summary of it, in verse 12, he says, uh, go back to verse 12, he says, uh, uh, in everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you, for this is the law and the prophets. But what did the apostle Paul say the purpose of the law was? You see, if you could keep all of the laws of God, you would need Jesus. That's right. You keep the laws. Do you remember what he said to the rich young ruler who came to him and fell down at his feet and said, uh, you know, good master, what must I do to be saved? Jesus said, you know the law, keep it. And he said, well, you know, ever, ever since I was a kid, I've, I've kept the law. No, he hadn't. Jesus looked in his heart and saw that he had not. He had loved his money more than he loved the Lord. He went away sad because he had great riches. Paul says in Romans 7, 7 that the purpose of the law, he said, I wouldn't know what sin was if it had not been for the law. How do you know you're a sinner? Because the Bible says you are. The laws of God say you are. You shall not steal. Doesn't matter how much you steal. If you steal, you stole. You shall not lie. You should tell the truth. Bear, bear false witness against your neighbor. Love somebody else or something else more than you love God. Some of you love your work more than you love God. Some of you love your family more than you love God. Some of you love yourself more than you love God. And in all of these things, you, the list is just endless. That's why Paul tells us over in Colossians, God took the list of all of your sins and nailed them to a cross. So the purpose of the law, therefore by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Imagine with me for just a moment a group of children sitting at their desk in elementary school. The teacher says to the children, we're going to draw a picture today. And she hands out a piece of paper to all of the children and she says to them, draw a straight line down the middle of the page. Well, at this point, the principal sticks his head in the door and the teacher has to step out for a moment. The children go on drawing. Some very carefully and others with carelessness. The teacher is delayed. And in a few minutes, the children are comparing their lines. My line is straighter than your line, one child says. No, it's not, the other child answers. Pretty soon the lines are compared and it is soon clear that some lines are better than others and some are worse. Some of the children say, well, Susie has drawn the best line. Most of them agree except for George and Arthur who say, but she had a better pencil than we had. And that's how it is when the teacher returns. Some of the children think their lines are quite straight. But if the teacher were then to take the straight edge, the ruler, and draw a second line on the paper of each child, even the best of the children's lines would seem waving 
and very inadequate. And that is exactly what we have in human morality. Men draw the lines of human character and then they compare their lines to those that they see around them. I'm straighter than you are. I'm more moral than you are. I'm more righteous than you are. No, you're not. Arthur says he's the best. But then God enters and he produces his straight edge and it sees that all human lines of character are crooked, crooked. If a man could just keep the golden rule, if, 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 then he could step into heaven and say to God, move over God and let me sit down on the throne where you are, I'm in charge now. You gave your standard and I've kept it. Therefore, I am as perfect as you are. It's you and me, God, from now on. If a man could keep that standard, he could take over heaven. But on the other hand, if a man sees that he's not kept it and that indeed his own strength, he will never be able to keep it, then he must take the first place with all his own place with lost humanity. You know, over in England, the word rule, are you? L-E, or ruler. When we use the word ruler, we think of a 12-inch stick or a piece of plastic that's straight. We call it a ruler. But over in England, they call it a straight edge. Straight edge. So instead of saying, we'll take the ruler, we'll take the straight edge and draw the line. God is our straight edge. He's the one who draws the line. He's the one we've got to measure up to. He's the one we've got to back up to, not you. I'm not going to get to heaven because I'm better than you are. You're better than me. We're all sinners. We're all sinners. That's you and you and you and me and everybody. We're all sinners. And it's God's, what is God's straight edge? It's Jesus Christ. I should not and would not and do not compare myself and my righteousness to you, nor should you to me, but to Jesus. It's how I compare to Jesus. Jesus is our straight edge. Jesus is our ruler. He is the golden rule of all. He came into this world and drew God's straight line down the middle of humanity. And we've got to measure up against him, not ourselves and not each other. And we realize how far short and how crooked we really are. That's the real purpose of the golden rule. The golden rule, the golden straight edge, is God's way of saying to us, you're morally crooked, warped, and you need to be changed, just like that hopsichord was changed to a piano. It's Jesus who makes a difference. I can imagine someone coming to the end of his or her life and standing before God, and God asks him or her this question, what did you do with Jesus? And the person will answer, well, I live by the golden rule, but what did you do with my son who died for you? And the person will say, well, I tried to treat everybody fair and square. And God will ask, but what did you do with my son who died for you on the cross and who knocked on the door of your heart seeking entrance? And the person will say, well, I did nothing with him, but Lord, I, and then the Lord stops him before he can finish the sentence. And the command is given, cast him into the lake of fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. 
So now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And because you belong to him, the power of life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The golden rule and God's other rules are to be kept, not that we might become Christians, but because we are. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. May we pray. Yeah, Father, when we start comparing ourselves to one another, <laughs> my how arrogant and boastful and proud we become. We're better than so-and-so. But God, that's not what counts. That's not what matters. It's Jesus. He is our ruler by which we measure ourselves. He's the straight edge, your straight edge. And when we compare ourselves to him, my, how crooked our lives are. But we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit who, when we repent and turn to him and ask for forgiveness, draws a straight line in our hearts. And we become righteous because of the transplanting righteousness of Christ in our lives. And Holy Spirit, I pray that as we come to this time of invitation, should there be one here today who needs to make their lives straight, we'll do so by trusting Jesus. And if there's other decisions that they need to make, Holy Spirit of God, lead them, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand, please? And if God is speaking to your heart today, you come.